Well, thank you everyone for joining us today. We're here to discuss edge computing, um, AI, cloud privacy, um, and cybersecurity together with Hub Security's very own CTO and co-founder, Andrzej Yavamenko, alongside confidential computing expert, Stefano Tempesta from the Azure Confidential Computing Product Group at Microsoft. Um, we're going to start our webinar today with a brief introduction uh, from our speakers, followed by an introduction from, um, from Andre on today's discussion topic. Afterwards, we'll open a bit of a deeper discussion on everything related to confidential computing and data privacy, including its ongoing threats and solutions. As usual, we'll leave about 30 minutes at the end of our discussion for a short Q&A. So if you have any questions throughout, feel free to drop them in the Q&A section below on the right side, and we'll get to them later on. I'm joined now by Stefano Tempesta. Hello, Stefano. Hi, Stephanie. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this session. Thanks for being here. Um, maybe you can give us a quick introduction um, on yourself and what your field of expertise is. Okay, yes, thank you. Well, first of all, thanks for having me in uh, this uh, conversation. I'm Stefano Tempesta, I'm based in Australia, in, and I work at Microsoft in the Azure Confidential Computing Product Group. So essentially where we build confidential computing in the Microsoft Azure Cloud. So uh, my expertise are in all the aspects of uh, cloud security and uh, artificial intelligence as a broader extension. And I also sort of uh, uh, collaborate uh, or as an um, advisor on a volunteer based on, um, on the national blockchain roadmap for the government uh, here in Australia. Great. Well, welcome. We're really glad that you could be here with us today. Um, we're also joined by Andre Armenko. Welcome, Andre. Hi, Sterni. Welcome, everyone. Uh, great pleasure to, to join the webinars again. Mm -hmm. and uh, also talk about the confidential compute topic, uh, which is uh, becoming hotter and more relevant uh, every day, if not every hour, given uh, the ability, growing ability of hackers to uh, go into every system, everywhere, anytime, and uh, the information becoming uh, more regulated and private and uh, a very very sensitive and uh, worth uh, lots of money basically and uh, it's a great uh, great moment to talk about it uh, in this webinar and also a real pleasure to uh, have you stefan stefano uh, with us uh, as an expert in confidential compute great thank you andre and uh, maybe you can give us a, a short introduction on, on yourself and uh, your background yeah sure uh, so uh, myself, as, as I'm a hub security CTO um, and co-founder, um, being here in the company for three and a half years. Uh, before this, uh, my main background is uh, from IDF and defense industry, uh, doing uh, more on offensive cyber applications development. Uh, so it's a very a natural transformation from one side to another. So now using all the knowledge and experience to actually protect information and keep secrets for people and organizations. Thank you so much, Andre. So we're super glad you could be here with us today. Um, and we've had many 
any other webinars with you, so I'm looking forward to today's discussion. Um, we're going to keep it a bit open-ended, so I'll throw some questions out. Feel free to jump in, um, either Andre or Stefano, whoever wants to respond. But we'll start off with a very basic question, which is maybe one of you can give us a very brief intro to confidential computing. What is it? And in very simple terms, how does it work? All right, I'll try to give it uh, a first uh, definition in some way. Uh, there is a, a very specific uh, uh, use case for confidential computing, which is protection of data when it is in used, when it is in memory. Uh, if you think for a moment, we already have a protection or encryption of data at rest when it is stored in a file system, in a database, in some sort of storage. And we also have already protection of data in motion or in transit when it's moving uh, over the internet, for example, HTTPS, right? So the data is encrypted already there. So already our data and our applications are secure, whether in any cloud provider, data is safe. But there is a moment when this data is taken out of where it is stored and it is running in a server, in a virtual machine, in a container, which is actually in memory. If someone intentionally or not take a memory dump of that memory or that virtual machine, they can actually see your data, even if it was encrypted at rest. This is where confidential computing makes a difference by protecting that memory space using hardware um, execution environments, so hardware protected execution environments that prevent the access to this memory space. Great, Andre, anything to add to that? Yeah, so it's a great, uh, great explanation. And I only want to add to this that in addition, I think to data, uh, which is uh, private and secret, also uh, we are seeing today uh, applications like the, the binary code of the application that is uh, using the data in the same memory or on the same uh, machine, also uh, becoming an asset, which needs to keep secret and private. For example, AI uh, models during uh, inferencing or training, which are parameters and the model code is uh, as sensitive uh, and secret as the data itself that it uh, uh, handles, basically. And also in confidential compute, for example, talking about the same AI application space, uh, hardware plays a part as um, if the application runs uh, on several processing units, for example, the CPU and the GPU together, a single application. So the confidentiality of the data and the, uh, and the code needs to be uh, need to encompass both processors, uh, which makes uh, the confidential compute uh, more a broader perspective, uh, more uh, interesting and also more, much more complex to, uh, uh, to define the boundary and uh, to protect against attackers. Right. And we, we hear about many different approaches to confidential computing, including novel cutting edge mathematics, uh, such as homomorphic encryption. Maybe you could clarify for our audience what some of these approaches are. 
Look, from my experience, uh, confidential computing uh, has a variety of different approaches. So one uh, is actually the uh, homomorphic encryption that you mentioned, which is not uh, a different algorithm of encryption. But if you look into the, the, the word homomorphic, it means uh, the same form, the same shape. So data is being accessed in the same shape that it is, which is encrypted. So typically when we encrypt some data, we, uh, we use a, a symmetric or asymmetric key for encryption using all public and private keys. That's, there are several algorithms for doing that. And it requires data to be transferred from one party to another one. And the receiving party needs to decrypt the data to access, to, to, to use it. With homomorphic encryption, you can use data as it is, in the same format as it is, so without decryption. And this is end-to-end -end encryption. So it's basically data that is encrypted and, and is never decrypted, and it can be used in encrypted format, even when it is in memory. So it is a form of a confidential computing, but it is done with software computation. It is not based on hardware encryption as for the other approaches that are based on Intel SGX enclaves or AMD secure environment modules. So maybe to add to this, um... I think that the form classification uh, can be, uh, is it a, really a software-based uh, method or a, or a hardware-based method? And uh, there are different, uh, uh, different, uh, different hardware approaches. So they start with the, you can, uh, one can encrypt and uh, only portions of application code or portions of the uh, data lifecycle when it is used. If we take, for example, uh, ARM secure enclaves, which are very specific, very uh, focused on uh, keeping simple cryptography in keys and uh, maybe data safe. And uh, then there are AMD secure enclave, which encrypts uh, the whole virtual machine uh, in place in memory uh, without changing anything uh, in the software stack of the application the operating system. And uh, both of them are hardware-based approaches, uh, and they're based on the main CPU, main processor that uh, the client, uh, the system already using. And the other hardware approach can be um, what is called uh, HSM, Hardware Security Module, uh, which is uh, taking all this, the secrets, if it's the data and if it's an application, and uh, putting them on a separate hardware, uh, which is physically isolated and um, uh, runs the sensitive uh, computations and sensitive data completely uh, separated uh, from the main CPU. And this is a different approach, um, much more costly and uh, in many cases less feasible. For example, in first-tier cloud providers like uh, Microsoft or Google or Amazon. And uh, of course, all the software approaches uh, like uh, homomorphic encryption, which is the cutting edge of uh, making sec secure uh, private computation using software only in any environment. And the need for confidential computing in the cloud seems obvious, but what about on the edge? 
Hey, good question. Um, confidential computing is based on hardware encryption. So anywhere you have uh, hardware, like as I mentioned, Intel, uh, SGX or AMD SEB, which is able to run uh, on-premises or at the edge, it doesn't have to be a cloud provider. You can still have confidential computing. So actually the ideal world, so it's sort of my vision no, in uh, where I want confidential computing to evolve is to have a full confidential cloud and edge, end-to-end -end confidentiality uh, on-premises at the edge and in the cloud. So the, the edge is definitely, uh, I don't know, it is a space, it is an environment, it is a, a section that we need to protect. Think of medical devices that run inside the hospital, for example. They capture imaginaries or they capture uh, um, patient data. And it may not be Synced in real time with uh, the confidential cloud, uh, also with a with a hub uh, for storing this information in the cloud itself. They may reside in the device for some time, and then you have a technician that is doing some maintenance or some patching uh, update on the device itself. Well, the technician potentially can access uh, these uh, sensitive uh, patient data on the device itself until is. It erased until it's moved out of the device and transferred to the server. Uh, that is a need for confidentiality at the edge. Anything else to, to add to that, Andre? Yeah, so I think maybe the, even the first question is, what is an edge? And if we look five years from now or 10 years from now, uh, I think uh, the definition or distinction between the data center or center and the edge will uh, become uh, irrelevant as we are seeing this uh, uh, this already starting today as the compute uh, move uh, from the data centers from the servers in centralized locations and to the uh, local uh, uh, small uh, servers or even uh, boxes outdoor uh, and outdoor installations and the AI operations are moving uh, to the to the smartphones, are moving to the uh, into the uh, smart cars, and like everything is becoming hyper connected. So, for example, if you take a cellular network, so the thing which nobody like we all use, and uh, but we don't see it uh, um, as um, as normal users. Looking at the uh, propagation from GSM second generation into the 5G that uh, we have today, the cellular network infrastructure uh, over which a huge amount of data uh, comes through today is completely flat, uh, IP-based um, standard uh, network, and everything, uh, everything is connected from the base station at the front on the tower on the cell tower and uh, up to the uh, internet provider and the central processing of all the of all the traffic everything is on the same network everything is uh, connected and uh, applications um, are moving and uh, from the centralized data centers to the to the towers and also vice versa Things that have been done uh, 
at the front are now done at the data center because it's more efficient to do so, for example. So maybe to talk, uh, talk about the edge, uh, as uh, Stefano mentioned is, maybe we need just, we need to talk about confidential compute as a whole, as one single thing, without distinction between edge and, uh, and data center. Uh, because everything will be single cloud, basically. And uh, definitely confidential compute is needed uh, everywhere there is a secret to keep. That's the main thing. You have a secret data, you have a secret application, you have something that you don't want to be hacked, disturbed, or changed, or falsified. You need confidential compute. So can organizations run confidential workloads on premises or do they need to be in a public cloud? You can, you can run uh, on premises. Uh, either approach, the hardware approach requires that you have the, other, the, the necessary hardware like Intel SGX, uh, AMD, SED, or the homomorphic encryption approach will still be valid as long as the organization is able to run this software encryption. It doesn't have to be a cloud provider, it doesn't have to be any of the big cloud providers, it can be also another regional one, as long as it is based on these hardware CPUs then you are able to run uh, confidential computing uh, on-premises. Uh, do you want to address uh, some of the questions from the audience yeah. now that are relevant uh, to this conversation? Because uh, I see that some people are asking uh, about homomorphic encryption. Sure, I was going to um, just ask you that. We have a question here from Joseph. He asks, can you comment on the level of security for hardware versus software-based based methods for confidential computing? Maybe yes, uh, good, good, good point. Um, look, at the end, it all, it, all, it all goes down to where you put your trust. You put your trust into hardware, into a hardware manufacturer, you put your trust into a software, into an algorithm, into whoever has developed the algorithm. Uh, software are typically uh, easier to tamper with than hardware. Hardware will require some physical access. There have been situations also where hardware can be compromised also without physical answer, but it's very, very limited situation. Uh, Probably the, we are not in a position to compare the two and say one is more secure, secure than the other one, simply because uh, the adoption is much different. Homomorphic encryption, although being uh, incredibly brilliant as a technology, is still not mature enough for a, a broad application mostly because of the performance of it. The software-based encryption uh, requires a computation capability that uh, is, uh, as you can appreciate, more intense than having a, a hardware-based encryption. So we don't have uh, workloads that are uh, using homomorphic encryption uh, at scale 
that can compare to a hardware-based trusted execution environment. So to make it simple, the majority of organizations at the moment are choosing the approach of hardware-based protection rather than the software-based protection. So it's very difficult to say one is more secure than the other one because clients, because organizations are choosing one over the other one. They're choosing because the technology is more mature in one side over the other one because cloud providers are offering one solution over the other one. So I can speak of Microsoft. We are offering hardware-based trusted execution environment, although, at Microsoft, we also have a research project on homomorphic encryption, but it is still a research project. It's not a commercial, uh, uh, commercial uh, level yet. I don't know, uh, Andre, if you have a different perspective or a different uh, experience uh, on which one is more secure or the other one. But for me, it's very hard to say, oh, hardware is more secure. It is because more clients are using it. But more clients are using it because it's more available in the market than homomorphic encryption. So uh, it's more co to complement to complement your answer, Stefano. Um, mm. It's like uh, basically like everything, every other uh, thing in cybersecurity or comparing, choosing the what is the most secure solution is uh, depends on the use case, depends on the specific requirements and specific environments. Uh, of the application, the data, and their business workflow. Uh, so it's every, the Intel SGX, the homomorphic encryption, the hardware security modules, they are all tools. Each one has uh, advantages and disadvantages. Each, each one has uh, its own uh, problems and its own uh, uh, solutions. Uh, for example, like homomorphic encryption, it's uh, it's really very very slow today. It's hugely a huge yes. and very complicated computations. So, and they can only run on uh, standard CPUs. You cannot use GPU uh, today to run homomorphic encryption computations. So, it's not acceleratable basically. That's why DARPA, for example, have today a project, research project to create uh, a chips which are ASICs uh, geared toward the homomorphic encryption acceleration. That's, it's so hard to do this. Um, but however, it is suitable, for example, for text processing, for a low, low, um, low intensity, low throughput data and uh, and then it uh, creates a very good solution uh, for uh, complete privacy end-to-end -end, uh, for an application that runs on the cloud. That's mm -hmm. one example. Uh, on the other end, on the other end, there is a, a hardware-based secure enclaves using the standard CPUs, and uh, all of them uh, have been shown to have vulnerabilities over time. Uh, some of the, them have been patched. Some of them are, uh, are open uh, and or cannot be patched. AMD is one of the examples, one of the recent examples, I think, that published a uh, vulnerability in their secure, uh, uh, secure VM flow implementation. Uh, so 
it's a toolbox and uh, for each uh, for each specific application the use case uh, you need to choose the the right tool for the job which is uh, uh, makes sense uh, from business perspective and from regulation perspective um, for the specific uh, client as a follow-up question to that sorry Stefano did you want to add on yeah, no, look, I want to say that the two technologies are not competing to each other. Uh, this is actually the position of the Confidential Computing Consortium. So there is a consortium that uh, Microsoft is a, a co-founder and there are several other organizations that are hardware manufacturer and software manufacturer. And they all contribute uh, to create a sort of a, standards of definition of a confidential computing. So it's called a CC, C3 or CCC or Confidential Computing Consortium. And uh, there, is a, there is Intel, there is Microsoft, there is a, um, a, the, 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 there are different organizations that are also purely software uh, uh, oriented. And uh, although Confidential Computing Consortium currently support uh, a few open source projects uh, that uh, leverage Intel SGX uh, mainly, then uh, the, the, the hardware-based approach is sort of, a, a, um, um, how can I say, a sub supplement no, to the homomorphic encryption. The two technologies are not in competition. They, are, uh, they have different applications and as Andre said, depends on the use case, what you're looking for and where you can apply. As a follow-up to that, um, and we have another question from Joseph, which is how do the different software or hardware techniques meet scalability needs? Are there advantages over one, um, of one over another in this regard, or is it you know pretty much the same answer? It just depends on the use case. Andrew, maybe you, you want to take this because you, you already answered before. Homomorphic encryption at the moment is slower and uh, too slow for practical use. So the scalability you can only reach with hardware, but maybe you want to, to, to confirm this. Well, I, can, I can start and then uh, um, it's also, I think, depends on the... So first of all, for the, for the homomorphic encryption, definitely it's not scalable today. Uh, even for big data centers uh, uh, using uh, standard servers, um, standard CPUs. And uh, from the hardware perspective, uh, basically everywhere you have uh, a relevant uh, CPU, uh, based secure enclave, it's an ARM processor or x86 processor, uh, you can put a, a this specific implementation of potential compute. So looking on the, uh, all the PCs and servers in the world in, in data centers or uh, private uh, installations, private hosting uh, clouds, the CPU-based confidential computer, compute approach is uh, scalable almost infinitely. Everywhere you have the relevant CPU and it's uh, very uh, pervasive today, you can use this confidential compute uh, solution. So maybe Stefano can add from your knowledge, like inter uh, internal knowledge of uh, how Microsoft are like, deploying it and what are the uh, scalability of uh, inter-secure enclaves. So look, uh, uh, there is a, um, 
there is a, a customer that I I'm happy to mention because uh, is uh, an open source uh, non-profit organization which is uh, Signal, the messenger app. Uh, they are using confidential computing for protecting the social graph, so the contact list. So all your contacts are stored inside a trusted execution environment, inside an enclave. In this way, no one can access this contact list, not even people at Signal organization, so the engineers. It means that this contact cannot be used for targeting ads, or for uh, or, or for selling to other organizations, right? So it's protection of your contact list, and, um, and they scale because uh, now they have uh, millions and millions of users and uh, thousands and thousands of cores of uh, running confidential computing. So it is possible to scale, and, uh, and this is the, the approach that you will need to take at the moment uh, using. Uh, Intel SGX or AMD SEV as soon as the technology is uh, more uh, uh, available uh, for, for, for larger audience. Distributed um, multi-cloud compute, right? This is a growing need today that we're seeing in organizations. There are many yeah. solutions for it, but with the, with the solutions come security challenges. Um, would you guys mind expanding on some of them? Um, and what uh, what they are when uh, organizations start expanding expanding outside of the single data center cloud provider boundaries. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, it, it all goes down to making sure that data remains confidential when uh, crossing boundaries within uh, the same data center, within the same cloud provider, and obviously even a more when you're crossing it in a multi-cloud uh, or cross-cloud uh, environment. Yeah. This is something that probably a few people, I don't know, maybe neglect or, or don't consider properly in their design. Uh, one typical use case that I can mention now, for example, is a key protection. So your keys, your secrets to access uh, uh, you know, a database or an API, uh, these sorts of things. You typically want to use uh, a key management solution and uh, because uh, you, uh, this is a best practice, right? So you protect your keys, your secrets, your certificates into a vault. And uh, a key management solution uh, provides you a secure environment for uh, protecting your keys, your secrets. Now, there is a challenge though, and that is, uh, you know, when... Uh, you take the key out of the vault and you start using in your application. And then maybe the key is necessary to access a, a microservice on one side or a database on the other side, or you call a cognitive service, or you run or you decrypt some data. So you start using inside your same environment or even across different data centers, across different cloud providers, because maybe you are consuming an API from a third party, which is not hosted in the same environment that you are running your application, right? So it's a very diverse configuration. Well, the problem is that key, once it's taken out of the vault and is being used by the application that is running your machine learning or consuming the API or whatever that is, is it again in memory 
and uh, if someone has access to that memory in the moment that the key is being used to access the API, to decrypt the database, to, 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 to decrypt the file, the, 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 the decryption key is compromised. So you need to be sure that even when using a, a key management, uh, secret management, and when you, especially when you're going towards external services on other data centers, on other cloud providers, that your secrets are still inside the hardware secure module. So they are still inside the enclave. And because once they leave the enclave and they are in memory, I'm sorry, they're gone. I mean, they're not gone, but potentially can be compromised. Um, so we're coming up on um, it's our final 20 minutes, and I want to leave some time for Q&A. Um, we, mm -hmm. we can go 15 minutes over our uh, scheduled end time, if that's OK for you, Stefano and Andre. Sure. Um, but I want to maybe get to some of these questions that are pouring into the chat. Um, somebody here, uh, well, Rita asks, does it make it easier to use data safely in collaboration um, and a trusted data sharing approach? Does it make it easier to use data safely in collaboration, a trusted data sharing approach? Well, uh, if I understand the, the, the question, uh, collaboration, data sharing is a multi-party computing is the use case for confidential computing. When you have multiple parties that are accessing this data and you don't want all the parties to have access to this data, but only one centralized application they run inside the enclave, that's the best use for use case, for, uh, sorry, for uh, CC, for confidential computing. So we call it uh, multi-party computing or multi-party machine learning, because one typical application is when your machine learning needs to operate on an aggregation of different data sets coming from different data sources. And the larger the data set in use for training your model, the more accurate is the prediction of machine learning. So this case of data sharing or aggregation from multiple parties is definitely a use case for confidential computing. And maybe to add to this, um, this question actually touches on very important part of distributed confidential compute, like a collaboration, data collaboration or AI collaboration which is access control. So the data is encrypted and it is inside the secure enclaves all the time. However, um, in collaboration, it's usually also regulated and the data must be kept uh, private in between the parties. So the access control layer uh, above the computational layer is extremely important in this case to ensure uh, privacy and secrecy and the uh, safety of, uh, of the collaboration. All right, we have another question here from, um, from Joseph. Is there any industry best practice or guidance on combinations or configurations of encryption at rest in transit and varying processing or analysis, such as within an SGX enclave? Well, maybe I can start and uh, Stefano can add on specific on SGX. Um, so generally speaking on the, about the trans dat data in transit or data in storage. So the best practices are to use the most recent uh, 
encryption algorithms and the authentication algorithms. For example, the most recent TLS uh, protocol version and um, using AS-256, which is uh, proven to be, uh, which is not unbreakable uh, until now. Um, so that's, that's data in transit and data at rest. So use the latest things, use the uh, most uh, current uh, software implementations, cryptography algorithms uh, until you get into the secure enclave, for example, like Intel SGX. Yeah, look, I'll be very, very short. The best practice is do all of them. Encryption, arrest, in transit, in, in, in use. Uh, if you want to have the end-to-end -end protection, the three areas has to be protected. You can't just do protection in memory and then not protect the rest. And it's typical to do protection and rest in motion, but not in memory. And that's okay if you don't have sensitive data that can be compromised. So that's absolutely fine. But if you want the utmost protection, the three of them go together. Definitely. Great. Thank you. Um, we have another question here from Mohammed. So the Confidential Computing Consortium defines uh, a trusted execution environment. Uh, well, let's see if I understood this correctly. A trusted execution environment, or TEE, is commonly defined as an environment that provides a level of assurance of data integrity, data confidentiality, and code integrity. What is your perspective on this definition? Specifically, how can a trusted execution environment be of any use without any attestation guarantees to the end user? Uh, don't you think the attestation is critical future of TEE? Yes, attestation, it is critical. Uh, attestation is about making sure that the code is running inside an enclave that is uh, genuine and is uh, based on uh, one of the CPUs that have this unique signature, unique key for encryption. So before establishing a communication with an enclave, uh, you want to have, and you have to have an attestation that makes sure that the code is uh, not being compromised, the enclave is uh, genuine, and the communication can be established. Uh, Andre, did you want to add something to that? Uh, not to this one. Okay. Um, another question here is, is data de-identification better than confidential computing and encryption? Um, what do you guys, uh, what's your take on that? It's for Andre, I guess. Yeah, sure. So the data, the, the identification, it's like a, a partial, a partial thing, which is not even a solution to confidentiality, is a, like removing the user data or identity data, for example, from a, a from a picture a, or from a location. Today, a, it's quite easy to. A, bring back the identity from the anonymized data using a huge amount of uh, personal data available on the on the internet and uh, data stolen from uh, organizations institutions and available on the uh, black market uh, for sale so somebody who wants to to know who you are or know the where the data came from today it's quite easy to do based only on the anonymous data 
So it's a, it's not a really a solution to confidentiality anymore. I've heard that uh, Intel STX is not that secure after all, and that vulnerabilities have actually been detected. Um, any thoughts on this, Stefano? Yeah, there are a lot of legends on the internet about that. Some may be true, some are a little bit exaggerated. And uh, some uh, can be actually exploited only if you have a physical hardware. So that means uh, breaking in a data center, figuring out which one of the thousand and thousand of servers is running in SGX, uh, and then finding the actual server and compromising the CPU. So, well, if you do that, uh, congratulations, probably you deserve it, right? So it's very, very hard. Uh, said that, uh, there have been a situation where uh, the, there are some uh, uh, articles mentioning uh, vulnerabilities uh, on uh, SGX and some that Intel itself has acknowledged and fixed. Um, so very briefly, one is, uh, yes, when there is a vulnerability as anything, as any software, any hardware requires some patching and Intel is on top of that and they can fix it, they could fix it and apply the fix and Microsoft and Intel works very closely to make sure that these fixes are rolled out in the offering that we do to customer. The other one is which was a little bit harder sorry, it was a little bit harder to, to, to fix, was on uh, 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 different threads that have access to cache data. So basically the problem is that data is uh, cached and then uh, different threads access that cache could potentially access confidential data inside uh, the cache that is uh, used by another thread. So to minimize the risk, uh, in Azure, we have disabled hyper-trading on, uh, on the virtual machines that run Intel SGX. So there is no risk for mixing up on the different threads and, uh, and, and have access to data that is uh, in, uh, in one environment um, uh, protected from one enclave and the other one. Or the third and final approach is use dedicated host. A dedicated host is basically running the entire VM uh, confidential uh, SGX only for you, and there is no risk for uh, anybody else to have access to your data using hyper-trading uh, uh, vulnerabilities. But look, uh, at the end, uh, uh, th there is no solution for 100% perfection on security. We are trying to make it harder to access data and to reduce the surface attack. So there is a level of extra protection that this technology provides to make it more difficult to access data by unauthorized parties. It may not be perfect, but it's definitely much harder than not having at all, right? Where do you so, see, um, oh, Andre, did you want to add yeah, to that? So yeah, so maybe uh, to add to this, uh, actually based on the caching example, uh, the, I want, want to generalize the answer. There is an inherent problem of vulnerability for any CPU-based or AMD implementation where the, the same CPU and the same microcode and the same registers, the same silicon processes the uh, sensitive data 
from the mem memory enclave and also all the regular data from the OS and the, all the normal applications that are running on the system. There's always going to be a problem when the same registers uh, can need to switch uh, from one data to another. Um, and to get real true uh, security, um, there is always needs to be a physical separation of execution. Because when we're talking about data in memory, it's also data inside the CPU, internal memory, registers, cache, and everything else, which is also needs to be isolated and uh, kept secret. And in the standard CPUs, this is not the case today, at least. So that's in general answer to um, CPU-based secure enclaves. Um, we have another question here. What is your thoughts about SGX versus TDX approach? Which one do you think to have? Which one do you think um, to have the most prominent future aspect in terms of adaptability, reliability, and performance for legacy applications? I don't know if I read it right or if it was written. No, I think it was. Yeah, this question makes sense. Uh, it, it is a good question. Um, the TDX approach is uh, comparable to some extent to the approach that AMD has already taken with the SEVS SNP technology in uh, protecting access to the entire VM rather than just a memory space inside the VM. And the difference is that when you want to access a memory space, an enclave, uh, you need to have some coding uh, uh, techniques uh, using uh, some frameworks uh, to make the communication with the memory space possible. With the approach with uh, the entire VM being protected, uh, the, the traditional lift and shift of legacy application is much easier because uh, you just move the entire application into the VM and is automatically protected. So it's definitely a technology that makes it easier to protect your legacy application, but it comes also with a, a shortcoming in terms of protection because uh, anybody that has access to that VM can be someone inside your organization, then can access data that is running in data and code that is running inside the VM. So the enclave is uh, the most control. So you have control and you have protection from uh, other parties, from uh, VM administrators and from the cloud provider the TDX or the current AMD approach. So TDX is not commercial available yet, but a, a other approach where you protect the entire VM, you have protection from the cloud provider. So no one at Microsoft will ever see your data and that's okay. But someone inside your organization could because they have access to the VM. So again, depends on the use case that you want to take uh, into consideration. And where do you guys see confidential computing uh, being in, let's say, five years from now? Mm, what, what do you think, Andre? <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a great question. Uh, I think the the intuitive answer. I don't know, or maybe nobody knows the this um, security, uh, cybersecurity, and the compute. Um, space is uh, developing extremely fast and uh, there is lots of innovation uh, today and it will only grow in the future. And 
we need to five years from now, it is actually very exciting because we can look on all the parallel technologies, for example, quantum computers uh, or quantum key distribution networks, quantum internet infrastructure that is being developed today. So maybe not five, maybe 10 years from now, the tools that we have today um, will be um, only like uh, intro tools or uh, simple tools relative to what we'll have five or 10 years from now, where uh, with the new novel technologies or things that have, haven't been invented yet. Um, but generally speaking, I think in five years from now, we probably be able for every human being, everyone that generate everyone and everything that generates information, it will be able to keep it um, private uh, for the whole life cycle. So keep the ownership of this information from uh, generation to uh, deletion or storage and uh, also to control the access and um, uh, control the distribution. Um, so that's about confidential compute in the future. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And for me, it's really about creating a confidential experience end-to-end, -end, cloud, edge, and on-premises also. Why not? Why, this is uh, uh, all about putting the security first uh, together and then uh, offering this service at scale, not just some niche user, some very specialized workloads, but anybody, government, for example. I would love to have... Uh, digital identities issued by governments protected on confidential computing. I would like to see cryptocurrency uh, or, or trading in general of any, uh, of any transaction, of any digital asset protected with confidential computing. Because uh, there, is, there is so much scam, there is so much uh, uh, hackering <laughs> out there, uh, and so much value that if we are able to protect transaction and identities, we are able to build a more confidential society at the end. Definitely. Um, so I think we're running a bit out of time. So I'm going to ask a final question um, for Andre. And it's, I'm going to tie it into a question that we've received from an audience member as well. Um, so uh, Gabor is asking, I have a question on the relative positioning of HSM, our hardware security modules and confidential computing. Some HSM models allow the user to upload custom executable code. This use case seems quite clear to uh, TEE, such as CPU-based uh, confidential computing. Any thoughts on whether HSM with custom module complements um, competes with a confidential computing? And what is the advantage of yeah. confidential computing over HSM with a custom code? Yeah, so look, it's a, it's a great question that uh, will require probably too long to answer. So I invite Gabor to get in touch so we can address this uh, more in detail. The short answer for everybody benefit is that, uh, again, they're not competitive technology. HSM requires the use of uh, dedicated hardware for protecting. Confidential computing takes the approach of uh, CPU or, uh, um, or generic hardware. So 
it's not really one is best, one is worse. It's more about uh, one is uh, easier and mainstream. The other one is more dedicated. Uh, they're both secure. They're both uh, available and they, they are all, they cost differently, right? So there are too many factors to give. And I don't have the context here for the specific use case to give a right answer is, uh, Unfortunately, I have to answer, it depends. <laughs> so the conversation could be a bit longer than that. Definitely. And I wanted to, to leave that into my question to, to Andrew. Which maybe you can briefly summarize for us what Hub Security um, is doing to, to solve some of these security challenges that come with confidential computing. Okay, thank you, Sterney. And uh, I think the previous question leads, uh, leads also to this one. HSM keeps your keys and encrypts and the digitally signs data. That's basically it. It cannot run applications, especially virtual machines and dockers and very complicated applications. So it's a very specialized machine. Yeah. At Hub Security, what we are what we are doing well, we're looking at the confidentiality as in a broad sense. And uh, our vision is to enable anybody uh, and anything, any organization to keep secrets when, uh, whenever they are, wherever they are. So in other words, uh, Hub Security enables uh, uh, to, for the secret, for the application, if it's an AI, if it's a, a blockchain application, a financial application, keys and files and data to still be able uh, to remain at the same location at the same server uh, on the same operating system and by adding our solutions into the existing system uh, wherever wherever it is uh, we provide a confidential enclave uh, from any standard uh, pc any standard server even if it doesn't have by itself any uh, secure enclave um, internally. So Hub Security creates a wrapper around it that uh, controls the access, controls the management, controls the information that comes in and out of, uh, of this uh, compute environment or compute device. Uh, and uh, in this way, we uh, basically create a confidential, uh, secure, uh, confidential compute secure enclave uh, from anything that uh, is currently out there on the market as compute device, from the base station uh, to the edge uh, IoT devices and uh, all the way into high-end data center servers. And it's really tied to looking at confidential compute as for the whole, whole life cycle the who, who has access to the information, where the keys that encrypt this information are kept, um, how the uh, identification happening, um, how's the information shared um, for the whole way end to end. Great, well, um, with that, thank you everyone um, for a wonderful discussion. Um, these are all super fascinating topics related to emerging security challenges. And I'm really glad that we got the time to cover them today together. Um, 
And uh, thank you to our speakers, Andrea Yarmenko and Stefano Tempesta. We hope that you're all staying safe and healthy at home. And we look forward to hosting many more discussions like these. If you'd like to get in touch with uh, any of today's panelists, so feel free to reach out to them directly. All of today's attendees will be receiving an email in the coming days with the contact information um, for each of our panelists. So don't be afraid to reach out, drop them a line if you have any further questions on today's topics. And to stay up to date on upcoming webinars, you can follow Hub Security on LinkedIn and on Twitter. We also have a medium um, where we publish the latest stories coming out of the cyber and security, cyber security and crypto sphere. So feel free to follow us there. And um, I'd like to thank our speakers one more time for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Sarmi, and everybody. My pleasure. Looking forward to another great discussion. Take care, everybody.